My name is Michael Fogarty. I'm 76 years old. I came to Sahaja Yoga in July of 1980 when I was 44. So we were amongst the first uh, people in the Sahaj Collective in Australia. We were looking for a, a health cure for our daughter. I guess we were looking for the help of a higher dimension than what uh, traditional medicine could offer. We went to all sorts of places to find it and ended up in Sahaj. I don't know that I'd consider myself as a seeker. I don't really remember seeking as such. I've probably been seeking for a while and struggling with, you know, general existence. I was not what you would call a seeker. You know, I was a young boy, Greek background. Uh, I was quite popular, I had a group of friends. But I was very unhappy. I was so stressed. And very happy uh, in that life. Because the work was stressed and my colleagues were absolutely from hell. I didn't consider myself a seeker. I can remember sitting in this room and Sri Mataji was talking about you have been seekers for ages and I'm thinking oh Lord right I'll just keep really quiet and they won't kick me out. As a seeker you look at a lot of things well I suppose firstly how do you become a seeker? A chap who I was working for um, sent my attention inside by asking me some particular questions. I remember asking my my parents, who am I? He asked me a question, who are you? And I couldn't answer him. And my parents were very honest. I remember both of them sitting in there. We want to know as well. We don't know. <laughs> and I'm thinking, I'm not dying until I have the answer. I was telling myself that the more money I made, or the more successful I was in whatever it was I was doing, I'd get peace, but I never did. By the time I was 22 years of age, I had a Volvo and a Honda dealership in Western Australia. I had 30 people employed and uh, country property. You know, it wasn't, wasn't working. And I woke up one morning and I thought, I am not a happy person, and uh, why is that? I was quite desperate for some assistance. I didn't feel that I fitted into the world at all. I started going to meetings, you know, spiritualists and different groups and trying to meet all the people and try to experience what everyone was doing. I ended up in a thing called the Self-Realisation Fellowship which was about uh, getting self-realised but of course they didn't hand out self-realisation in the Self-Realisation Fellowship. My view was once you had a, um, a, an inkling of all of them you were able to tie them together somehow, find what is the, the common thread to it. There was an old expression that when you need a guru, your guru will come to you and I, I sort of had that somewhere in my mind and I had felt I did feel that I'd reached the end of my own road, that I couldn't do it by myself any further. I knew that there was a very important being here. I knew she was a female, but I didn't know where to find her. <laughs> so I become atheist, complete atheist. I don't want to know God, I don't want to know religion, I don't want to know at all.
was involved in a boating accident in the late 70s, about 78, I think, on the harbour, and I really injured my spine. So I went to the doctor in Balmain, and she said, it's not your physical body that's the problem, it's your spiritual body, and I'd like you to go and see this man. And she gave me Dr. Warren Reeves's um, uh, number. As it turned out, it just so happened that I got this flat in Balmain, which positioned me, of course, to be about 50 metres from the chemist where Cheryl Slade worked. <laughs> and I had this experience when I very first saw him. I just felt as if something had dropped through the top of my head. It said, this man is going to show you what you've always been looking for. And I used to be in there regularly with medical insurance and prescriptions and so on. And on one occasion, Cheryl said, you're having a tough trot. And I couldn't but agree with that. And then she said, well, I, I just joined a meditation group. She said, I don't know too much about it, but uh, it could do you some good. Uh, certainly wouldn't do you any harm. And she's saying, oh, hello, how are you going? I'm going, oh, dear, this is happening and that's happening. and..." Oh, my life is so... Oh, she said, what you need is this. And she showed me, she wanted to And I've gone, hmm, OK, what can you say about an Indian lady? <laughs> you know? I was so down that I said, right, when? They were having meditation, this was Tuesday night, and he said, why don't you come and have meditation with us? So I was quite young then, must have been 13-year-old. So the following night, we went to this little house in Haberfield, and there was a decision that one foot in a bucket would be enough since the other one was bandaged, heavily bandaged. And uh, then I, I was, with my glasses, I could see candles and hands moving behind me. The whole thing was fairly disorienting for me. I hadn't come seeking this, you see. I'd come in support of, of my family, so I, I was really having to orient myself in something that was pretty exotic. But they were, they were pretty excited because standing behind me, they could actually see the pulsation of my kundalini rising up my spine. So everybody said, come and have a look at this, come and have a look at this. They were going, oh, feel this, and I'm thinking, what is going on? Do you feel it? I've gone, no, I don't feel anything. But I could hear them saying, I think it's there. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. I just sort of sat there. And then as if my, there was a click in my head. And, this, and I felt, I always knew you had to look inside. And I didn't know how to look inside. And I suddenly felt that my attention had been sucked inside. I had the most amazing experience. And I, and I went into the deepest, deepest meditation. If I started trying to think, I couldn't think of anything and uh, all my body was vibrating. So it went for one hour, I think, at least. The only thought I could remember was I want to be like this forever. A snake or serpent dancing inside and rising up, that kundalini rising up and um, just coming up the top of my head and exploding on top of my head and this amazing sensation. And it was just um, life transforming at that moment. And suddenly I realised I felt connected to everything at that point. My heart just opened and I felt this incredible joy. And... 
I looked at her photograph and saw this amazing image of her with all the arms and she was a goddess, you know. That was an incredible sensation. I've never understood what love was. You know, love was always conditioned love. But this, this was just love for, for all humanity. It was just, and it lasted for ages. <laughs> it lasted for weeks and weeks and just kept, just got me through those early days. It was beautiful. And you know, life will never be the same again, but you, you have been transformed at that moment. I was virtually chain-smoking, but that night I didn't really want a cigarette. Next morning I didn't want a cigarette. Later in that day I was having a big argument in my head about, you know, if you want a cigarette, you have a cigarette. Well, eventually I did, and it tasted foul. So I threw it away and that was it. I suddenly thought to myself, something's going on here. She talked a little bit about Sahaja Yoga and gave me a booklet of mantras and things. And just as I was leaving, she said to me, she's God, you know. And I've gone, okay. So I took the picture of Shimadaji and put it on the, the gear stick of my car and looked down at it and thought, well, who am I to say you're not? So I thought, well, I'll give you five years and you can prove that you're not. So <laughs> that was my my entrance into Sahaja Yoga. So it was more or less waiting for Mother to make a mistake, to go, aha, you're not really God. But of course she never did. My family got their self-realisation a year before me. So then my brother went to um, the first puja in Ada, Ada Avenue in uh, Iwarunga and he came back from that puja and he looked uh, wild. His hair was sort of standing on air, his face was like glowing. He was sort of mumbling about pujas and washing someone's feet and you know, feeling a wind flying off his lady and it was, it was everything he'd ever hoped for and he found the answer and I had to come along. If you're a family, you know, they tell you, she's God. And I was sort of saying, well, you washed in your lady's feet, you know, you felt a wind. I'm sorry, but it sounds a bit crazy to me. So, good luck to you. I, it was sheer luck. It's sheer luck and absolute grace of Shri that my colleague who used to work with me in bank, Mrs. Damle, she had this ring of Shri Mataji on her finger. And I say, oh, now this one. She's going to the false guru. I better rescue her. 
I think it was Marilyn, Marilyn Fogarty, who mentioned that this very special person was coming. And then somebody else also said that there was a saint coming. And uh, I thought, oh, yes. So he said, well, can you at least drive me to the program and drop me off and then, you know, I'll come back home later. I said, OK, no problem. I'll drive you there. Well, I got to the bus stop and the bus pulled up. And then I went, oh. And then it got into town very quickly. I got down to Town Hall Station and the train pulled up for King's Cross. Excuse me? <laughs> so we drive there and then um, by chance, right out the front of the hall, which is in King's Cross, which is never any parking, just at that moment, a car pulled out right in front of the hall. And so I looked at the spot, just, just pull back in, you know, and then you can wait for an hour and then you can take me home. So I said, all right, all right. You know, so I went in the hall, sat down. It was like there was this red carpet. It was the most amazing thing because th that had never happened to me. We, it's just like on command, everything arrived on time. I was seeing my arms crossed, a little bit sort of peeved. And then in a short time, you know, the person said, please stand because Shimadaji has arrived. So everyone, everyone stood up and I was saying, well, I'm not really here for the program. I'm just the chauffeur. I'll just stay down. So I was sitting, my arms crossed and everyone's still standing up. And I was sitting there and then all of a sudden I just felt this huge pressure, like you know, when someone's really looking at you in a sort of a way and I, and I, and I turned and Shimadaji had walked down the hallway and she'd paused at the aisle where I was and she was looking down the aisle at me. And then when I established eye contact, I can still remember it felt like... Uh, maybe I was enamoured, I don't know. But I didn't actually think about it. And she was... She was like a perfect... The most perfect person I'd ever seen. And I kept... And, she, and I, I, I was thinking, oh, this is what I need. I need the perfect mother. And I felt absolutely in love with her. My brother was sort of pulling my shirt saying, you know, sit down, sit down. So I sat down and then he put his hand above my head and said, look, you know, it's really strong, you got it, you got it. I'm saying, I got what, I got what? He said, the realisation, he said, it's happened just like that. Whether I accepted who Srimadati was then, I don't know, but I suppose when you have that sort of experience, it's, it's, very, um, it's very strong and it has a very strong effect on you. You, you can't you can't deny it then, you know, when you have that feeling of absolute joy and, uh, well, that's what it is, it's just absolute joy, you know, you just can't get out of it. And then she talked about things and it was such a relief to hear someone who thought the same way as, as me because I'd been kind of feeling a bit like a dinosaur in the modern age at that stage. And I thought, okay, well, we're on track here, this is somebody who knows what's what. And it was sort of like, well, this is my grand unifying theory. This is, this is, this is, this sounds like it. I just agreed because nobody had actually said, none of the people I'd ever looked at, you know, and they never even talked about such sensible, common sense thing. I didn't hear the lecture. I didn't hear anything. I just, the only thing come in my mind is, Mother, I love you. And then I was just in love. <laughs> I was completely euphoric for so many weeks. I went deeply, profoundly thoughtless just incredibly, incredibly in another space. I think I felt, I probably felt peaceful, I must have. Uh, and maybe I felt thoughtless, I don't know. But I just knew that was it. At the end of the, the lectures, you know, Shimadaji says, and may God bless you. And I used to say, what God has to do with it? Mother, you bless me.
I sort of joined this sort of queue of people and up I went just to say thank you. But just as I arrived, my daughter jumped up at my side and Shumataji turned her attention on my daughter with big eyes like saucers and said, huh, is this your child? And I had to confess. And then she said, huh, she is a born realised. Oh, I had no idea what that was. <laughs> at one point she did look at me directly for a split second and she just looked straight at me. I'm quite sure not only at, but into, and perhaps even to the past lives of. Her face seemed like large, just large, and just how she looks at you, looked down at you, and seemed like, I don't know, larger than life. And I remember feeling knowing that she knew me, absolutely knew me. It's difficult to pin into words because I'd never experienced anything quite like that. And that still she loved me. And that was a very important moment in my life. My experience of mother up to that point had been the photographs, head and shoulders, and her tapes. It took me uh, five years to meet uh, Shemataji. I had this image of her being someone like Boadicea, maybe six foot tall and, you know. And she walked in through the door as Mrs. Srivastava. Oh my goodness, she's shorter than me, you know. <laughs> she's so small. And I was sitting there thinking, this is Mahamaya. This, this is this is just so ironic, you know. I, <laughs> all this, this, she's she's made it so easy. There she was with her husband, and um, you know, I still didn't kind of get it. There was no sort of falling in a, a swoon at the feet of God. I had to do a complete retake on my idea of what she was like physically. They were doing a. a a ceremony for Sir C.P. being re-elected to his position. And they asked her to talk and she stood at the microphone as if she'd never used a microphone before and she twiddled with the wires and the whole thing started to crackle. And they were making lovely speeches to Sir C.P. and congratulating him and all these formal things were going on and then he left. And then she moved her, her chair to the front of the stage and turned around and took her bun out and shook her hair like this. I just remember my kundalini just took off. I felt my heart, the spirit just sparkled. And there was the goddess. When I went to her feet, there was this hurricane huh? of vibrations just shot up the back, up my spine. It was just like rigid power. I felt like coming out of her head was a spiral, <laughs> just like that, like the universe was in her head. No one's going to convince me that Tree Mother's not God. But yes, I think most people who uh, come to our mother have had something in their life before. I remember when we first met her in, in Mumbai, she actually said to us, 
You think this is the first time you have met me? It's not. How do you know my name? Because we never met. She said, I know I met you a long time before. I, I met you before, right? I was waiting for you to come. So I know who you are. I know what you are. I know everything about you. I introduced Matthew and she said, ah, yes, I know him. He's worked with me before. <laughs> I said to Kerry. So she started telling about my family, my life and... Did I really hear that? When she looked at me and said, nice to see you again, and I've gone... I was happy that there was eye contact, but I'm thinking, again? I don't... <laughs> my whole impression about humanity changed. It is a very beautiful world to live. <laughs> I remember I prepared my breakfast, I was sitting at the table, and I was listening to a tape of her talking. It's one of those early talks from, from London. And I still remember her words. She said, this is what you have been seeking for all of your lives. Take it, it is yours. And the people around me, they saw the transformation in me. I didn't see, but they see it. And they said, what are you doing? What are you doing? And all my colleagues, they become surgery. My family becomes surgery. They remember my mother, she said, what are you doing? I want to see this lady. She went to Shimadaji and she said, Saksha Jagdamba, why don't you tell me? I didn't know Shimadaji was Jagdamba. <laughs> and I remember <laughs> I, I pushed the muesli across the table and just fell onto the table and I just sobbed because I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt this was it. your hands towards me, just like They're all thoughtless. If you see, there's no thought in your mind. And complete silence. Enjoy this. This moment is going to transform your life. Take it from me. You may not realize today, but you'll realize it very soon. Strong. 
Have faith in yourself, that's the main thing. It's beautiful.